Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you, Serena and Adrian, for those readings. Folks, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And Lord, even though at times your word seems to be different from what the world is saying, Lord, please help us to stand firm with the scriptures. Please help us to stand firm with your truth. And Father, we pray that your spirit might help us in that. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, if you haven't guessed, the uh, biblical family, the biblical family model of marriage is under attack. The homosexual lobby is telling us that same-sex people can be a family. Just recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, was condemned by evangelicals because of his positive stand on homosexual clergy. The TV is telling us, through countless movies, that adultery is okay, unless you get caught. We've had prime ministers who have modelled de facto relationships, lived uh, in in partnerships instead of marriage. Our world is saying that the biblical model just doesn't make sense. It is out of touch, out of date. Folks, uh, I went to uh, uh, Camden 22 years ago and uh, I remember my first year there, there were 80 weddings. I used to do uh, a lot of weddings, a lot of funerals. I did 80 weddings my first year and when I left 20 years later, 21 years later, I was doing 30 weddings a year. And at the time, uh, 80% of uh, weddings was conducted by clergy and 20% uh, were conducted by celebrants. And now it's the opposite. Uh, 80% of marriages and funerals, in fact, are done by celebrants uh, and the rest by clergy and other people. We are losing influence in our world. Statistics tell us that nearly half of marriage end up in divorce. And folks, I want to say against this tidal wave of opinions and attitudes stands God's truth. And we've got to hold on to that. We've got to be firm, stand firm in God's truth. A wise and godly marriage, I just want to talk about three principles this morning. And the first is we, not me. Can we say that together? We, not me. In that reading uh, that... uh, Uh, that Adrian read to us, uh, Jesus quotes from Genesis, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The Bible talks about leaving. A man leaves his family and then cleaves to his wife in marriage. The two become one. The separate become united. The individual becomes a team. Think of it, I like to think of it as we, not me. But to be united with our partner is hard work because we are different. We all have different tastes. We all have different hang-ups, different backgrounds, different personalities. Um, My wife and I, Debbie, uh, we've been married uh, for some time now, uh, but we are very different. Uh, We are very different. Uh, Debbie likes to mix with uh, a few people. I like the crowds. She is loosely connected with her family. Uh, Being a European, I'm very connected uh, with family. Uh, She likes the bed hot. I like it cold, so we're forever 
putting on blankets, t- taking off blankets. When it comes to movies, she likes to those movies that have got a plot. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the ones where you've got to think. I just love the movies Blood, Guts and Gore. <laughs> when we go out for tea, she's thinking about quality of food. Guess what I'm thinking? <laughs> you can't tell? <laughs> I'm thinking about quality. And when we go out, she dresses up. I dress down. She loves culture and history. I just like sport. And that's it. <laughs> We're two different people, and yet we have we are complementary. And you have to work hard at we and not me. There, there is a need for compromise. There is a need for sacrifice on both our behalves to live in a marriage like God intended. Even though I've been married 44 years with my wife and uh, happily married, I'm still learning. From time to time, we still need to sit down and have a peace conference. We need compromise. It's my job to make those special dates, to make Debbie feel special. Well, in Proverbs chapter 5, which is the fourth of our series in Proverbs, staying united and not letting temptation of adultery divide. And so we read in chapter 5 there, May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a grateful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. In Proverbs chapter 5, we have this sexual imagery, uh, as in uh, the Song of Solomon, to highlight that sex is to be enjoyed with one partner in a marriage relationship. Elsewhere it says sex within a marriage is like a beautiful river that brings life and refreshment. Sex outside of marriage is more like a sewer that defiles everything it touches. Sex is the bond or the glue of that marriage uh, bond, that marriage relationship. A number of years ago, uh, a man uh, came to my office and he didn't come to church and he said to me, he said, I wonder if you can help me. He said, I'm very distant with my wife. And I asked him a couple of questions and uh, I found out that he wasn't spending much uh, time uh, with his wife. In fact, his job uh, took him all around Australia. And then I asked the questions and I found out that when he went to a certain city or town, sometimes he would get a prostitute and have sex here, have sex here, have sex here. And I said to him, I said, mate, you want to be close to your wife, but you've made these bonds with these other people. And then I said to him, the only way you can be close to your wife is you've got to break those ties. You've got to have a spirit of repentance, confess it to God, so those bonds will be broken, so then you can enjoy a bond with your wife. Well, I never saw him again, did I? I never saw him again. Well, folks, marriage shouldn't be a grin and bear it, just a peaceful existence. It was designed to be joyful, designed to be a blessing, satisfying, captivating with love and passion. It sounds great, but how do we get there? How do we stay there? I, I want to say we need to see our differences as, as a strength. Opposites attract because there's a desire of wholeness. What I lack, Debbie is strong in. 
And I see this as our differences actually complete us. Instead of irritating each other with our differences, we need to see it as complementary. Let me give you an example. With regards to movies, you know what type of movies I like. But from time to time, I'll sit down with Debbie and I'll watch a movie that she wants. Boring, but I, I will watch it. And I've, I've even been watching, hate to say it, but Escape to the Country. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone. No. But I know she appreciates that. Uh, mind you, I never get her to get to see my movies. <laughs> but you see, as we cooperate, as we change, as we grow, as we develop new directions, we need to be prayerful. We need to be forgiving. We need to, to encourage one another. And especially when the going gets tough, we need to treat our partner as that someone special and see our marriage as we, not me. The second big idea is till death do us part. Say that together. Till death do us part. Again, uh, from Matthew, therefore what God has joined together, let not men separate. You see, the only marriage that God understands is a lifelong marriage. And so we need to be careful. Don't make divorce an option. If you make it an option, you might use it like a get-out-of-jail card free. And, and the reason why Moses in that reading allowed divorce is because God actually says, Jesus actually says, it's because of your sinfulness, because of your hardness of heart. The only reason why God allowed divorce in reluctant terms is when that bond is broken, when there is sex outside of marriage. And so Proverbs says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breasts satisfy you always and may you ever be captivated by her love. And so, in other words, stick with the one you started with in your youth. Always satisfying, forever captivating. And these are words that, are, that have eternal meanings or endless meanings. Non-negotiable commitment. So, folks, we need to learn to resolve conflict quickly. And if we can't, we need to get help from others. Pray, compromise, do whatever it takes to stay together. Make the most of our marriage. Have fun. I think sometimes uh, Christians forget that. We need to have fun with one another. Keep on investing in your partner. Every marriage, even the best and easiest marriages, uh, requires vigilant attention and effort. You know, when you think about it, teachers have in-service training, if you're in the computer industry, uh, you do uh, refresher courses. If you're a trader, you, you have uh, updates on regulations with safety. You put effort and you invest in your career. So why don't we do that with our Christian marriages? From time to time, we need a shot in the arm. Again, I, I was doing a, a lot of um, weddings at St John's Camden and sometimes what was really interesting, people who had been living with each other, uh, they would come to me and they would say, well, we, we, we don't need marriage prep. We don't need marriage prep because we've been living with each other. And I would just say, no marriage prep, no marriage. And the reason why I said that 
is because I wanted everyone to have marriage prep. But it's interesting, what I found, the people, as I look back, the people who had difficulties in marriage were often those people who were living with each other. And I think it's because they had that card when they were living with each other, the get-out-of-free card, that divorce card. Don't you hate those uh, uh, legal companies' ads? You know, the, uh, I don't know, I won't tell you which company, but I hate those lawyers that, uh, that make divorce look really easy, if you know the one I'm talking about. Uh, there's the lady, she's smiling, and the husband who's been divorced, he comes in, he's smiling, and you can see the kids in the background jumping around and playing. And I'm thinking to myself, if they're so happy, why did you get divorced in the first place? Divorce is harder than resurrecting a marriage. A good and lasting marriage is the result of genuine and sustained investment by both partners. You know, I've seen marriages start good, but deteriorate because of sheer neglect, and that's painful to see. When there's talk of we're drifting apart, get help fast. Otherwise, we can be one of those statistics of painful divorce and kids get spun out from pillar to pillar. If you can't work out your problems on your own, be wise and get outside help. Marital difficulties, are if, if they're addressed early and clearly, there's, uh, the probability of marital healing is higher. And the third big idea is the grass is never greener on the other side. Can we say that together? The grass is never greener on the other side. One of the great destroyers of God's marriage is the other woman or the other man. When couples entertain divorce, it nearly always is there's somebody else. Again, I only can speak from experience, but the people who have come to me and that had difficulties with their marriage and they just say things like, we're drifting apart, we're not we're no longer compatible, we have nothing in common. And I'll ask the question, is there somebody else? And they will swear black and blue, but guess what? You find out later, there was another woman. <laughs> there was another man. From my experience, that's what I found. God wants us to be a one-woman man, a one-man-woman. Proverbs 5.20, why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are full of view of the Lord and he examines all his paths. The devil's deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Um, Solomon's giving us four reasons why adultery should be avoided. Firstly, we have to give an account to God. God knows the promises we have made. Secondly, he talks about sin as being ensnared, and it's a fishing term. When you get hooked, it's very hard to get uh, that, that fish to get off the line. He uses the word sin holds you back. It entangles us. It trips us in life. He also says it's a lack of discipline. And that's a sign of weakness. He says, Solomon says, it's failure. And then right at the end, he says, it's great folly. In other words, adultery is stupidity because of the pain it causes. 
the other person, the pain it causes the children. Uh, people think it's smart getting away with it, but it's reckless. It's madness. Friends, the grass is never greener on the other side. The grass is always greener where you water it. Stop looking over the fence. Concentrate on who God has given you. If you read chapter 6, and we, we, we haven't done that, but it talks about men fall into temptation through their eyes. Boys fall into temptation through their eyes. They see the beauty of the seductive adulteress. And please hear me right, I'm not, I'm not being sex, sexist or anything like that. I want to say girls, dress modestly. Um, I'll tell you the story, uh, and again, no names. We had a youth worker at one particular church, and she was an attractive girl. And uh, when we used to have communion, she used to come to the front, or people used to come to the front, and, and, and we would give communion that way. And I remember her coming up, and uh, she was kneeling down, and I could see three or four guys coming up, and their eyes were popping out of their heads. <laughs> their jaw was hanging down the ground because she was wearing a, a very short dress, and she didn't realise. But it just, I, I just made, made me realise that boys, men, get tempted through their eyes. And women often get tempted through smooth talking to men who are complimentary. We've got any smooth talkers here? Now we're all rough as guts, aren't we? <laughs> Husbands and wives, be careful of flirting. Suggestive flirting can lead to seductive flirtation, and that can be dangerous. A weak moment with the wrong person, and you can fall into the adulterer's arms. Someone once said to me, sex outside marriage is like uh, petrol near flames. It's explosive. But sex in marriage is like petrol in a, in a car tank. It'll take you from A to B. The unmarrieds, and I think we've got some of them here. Unmarrieds. Can I just say, and I haven't uh, uh, said too much about this, but keep sex for that special person in marriage, won't you? I know it's unfashionable. I know the world is saying it's uncool just to... Uh, uh, remain pure but don't rush into love and marriage wait in the Lord's time save yourself for marriage all through Song of Solomon's and Proverbs it talks about do not waken your desires until it's ready to those who are married adultery don't think it can't happen to you none of us is beyond temptation Proverbs says, pride goes before destruction. Even the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, be careful you don't fall down. And I have sat with people and it hurts me because I've married them. And they, are, they sit before me with great regret and pain and shock and shame is because of one loose moment. Well, it's probably not one loose moment, but that was the, the start of things. Even if you believe your marriage was ill-advised in the first place, adultery will not reduce your pain. It will eventually multiply your pain. 
One of the uh, ministries we had at St. John's Camden, and it was developed probably five years after I was there, was uh, what we called divorce recovery. And uh, we, had, I had, we had this couple who were both divorced and, and now happily married. And they wanted to help people who were going through divorce or help being go, going through uh, difficulties in their marriage. And I sat in, the, uh, in their course a couple of times but one of the things that they said for the first time when I, when I heard it was, even though they were happily married, you know what they said? And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They are disappointed that they did get married. They wish they had worked harder at their marriage because of the pain and just the confusion it happened with families, the, the blended families and so on. The only way forward in a badly wounded marriage is not adultery. It's working through the issues one by one, slowly, prayerfully, with a spirit of repentance. And if you can't do it on your own, again, with a counsellor or a friend. There are no shortcuts to marital growth. Uh, I've said it. <laughs> it takes time, it takes sacrifice, it takes tears, compromise, prayer, humility, maturity, but we owe it to each other. We owe it to God. And if we've got kids, we owe it to our kids to create the best family we can. But what if? What if, if you've been unfaithful in one or more of these areas? Well, folks, you know your own mistake. But I want to say, know afresh, you can find God's grace. You can be forgiven at the cross. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. And sometimes I get so, uh, I feel so much when, when, when people have heard from preachers that divorce is like nearly the unforgivable sin. It's not true, folks. You will suffer the consequences, no doubt. The pain of adultery or separation, but you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Jesus came to save us from ourselves, from our sin, so that we may live life to the fullest. There may be people uh, this morning who, through no fault of their own, their marriage has dissolved. Uh, you cannot control how other people think or behave, but you certainly can control how you respond to them in that situation. Our world wants to redefine and restructure the family unit. And I want to say we need to hold firm. We need to hold firm to the scriptures. We, not me. Marriage is about unity, the two becoming one. Till death do us part. Marriage is for keeps. And grass is never greener on the other side. Beware of adultery or falling into that temptation. Friends, right now uh, I'd like to interview a, a couple and I asked uh, Rachel uh, who I should um, in, uh, interview and she said, well, th there is a couple, uh, uh, Rod and Serena, who are having real difficulties in their marriage. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> It was really funny. She mentioned their names and I didn't know who they were. 
And I saw Rod there last week. I said, mate, can I interview you next week? He said, yeah, okay. And so that's how we got it. So, guys, why don't we put our hands together for Serena and Rod? Come. Oh, you want to grab that mic? Lou, Lou. Uh, no? Okay. Yep. Serena, just uh, tell us um, how long you've been coming to Robbo, um, mar- how long you've been married, what, what kids you've got, how many kids you've got, which one's the favourite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't say that. There's like two of them right there. Um, uh, so we've been living in Robbo for 20 years, which is our whole married life. We've never lived married anywhere else. Um, so we moved down here straight after we got married. And, um, yeah, we've uh, got four children. Um, and, yeah, they arrived quickly um, four in four years. So that was um, a bit of a whirlwind. Right. Yeah, and right. now they're, what, 17, 15 and 13. Right, so, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Rod, uh, tell me, uh, how has your relationship with uh, Jesus, being a Christian, helped you in marriage? I guess the first thing is that uh, in, in knowing Jesus, you actually know what love is. Uh, so you know what God's love is. Um, you know what um, sacrificing for another person is. Um, and I guess in yeah, the nature of Jesus, you, you know how... Yeah, you, you need to love someone else. So um, that I guess that's the biggest thing. And, you know, so, you, you yeah, what love really is in, and how you sacrificially just do or try to sacrificially display that with yeah. Yeah. with your spouse. It's interesting. Uh, sometimes you hear people, uh, we love each other, you know, they love each other, they fall out of love as if they're tripping over some stairs, but love is a commitment. You only see that in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Serena, what is it that uh, keeps you uh, going uh, in marriage? Um, I think um, being able to communicate well, um, which, you know, I think we sometimes <laughs> have different ways of communicating. Um, Can you be honest and give us some dirt <laughs> on Rod? Okay, no, well, Rod, Rod likes to talk it out, like, straight away. I like to retreat and think through and then talk later. So we were laughing about this last night. We get there eventually, but it takes a while yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's it's about knowing that about each other. I think, yeah. um, I think yeah, if you can, you know that about each other, you know that mm. we know that we'll get there in the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think also just having fun together, like finding things that we enjoy doing together. Um, and spending, making time for each other, um, whether it's just going out for dinner or going away or just, you know, a couple of hours, go for a drive, you know, just finding time to spend with each other. Um, I think you touched on it in your sermon about um, compromise. Like, I was thinking along the lines of, you know, humility and, um, and forgiveness. Like, you're putting each other first. You need to... Um, be humble enough to admit your mistakes and when you've maybe hurt each other um, but also being quick to forgive when you feel that's been I guess done to you Um, and um, being selfless putting the other person first um, encouraging them to um, yeah in their gifts I think we've all got been blessed with different gifts and I think it's important to encourage each other in that as we serve 
the Lord as well. Yeah. Thank you, Serena. Um, Rod, uh, no marriage is perfect. Uh, Serena's perfect, but you, uh, but you're not. But when is it that you think you, you have, the, there may be difficulties? When, when is it that you, uh, if you, if you can pick that, when the times are getting tough in your relationship? Um, so, uh, look, we haven't had too many, like, graciously, we, we haven't. Um, but when, when we have had difficulties, um, it's, been, it's been the perfect storm of a few things. It's been, you know, work stress, issues with kids, maybe sickness, um, you know, priorities with money, um, you know, self, yeah, my selfishness or whatever. Um, but yeah, usually it's the combination of those things happening at once. Um, most of the time I think we can kind of work through things okay when it's just one, but when it's just everything at once, that's, that's when it's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rod, I'll stick with you. What is the hardest thing about marriage, you think? Um, yeah, have, having to put Serena before me. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Because um, yeah. my instinct is to look after me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think by nature we are all yeah. selfish, aren't we? And to yeah. uh, do that, uh, to put the other first. And that's what the Lord Jesus is, isn't it? He, mm. he put himself uh, before us. And Serena, what is the best thing about marriage? Don't think about lots it. Of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots of things. Having a um, having a partner in life, um, having someone to share um, my life with, and to raise a family with. Um, you know, um, yeah. Like I, you know, we. I feel like I feel a bit um, silly being up here, thinking you know this is we've got it all together because we don't. You know, marriage is hard, but. Um, you know, we're speaking to ourselves as much as any, mm. anyone else. But, um, but yeah, I'm just, um, you know, no, having knowing that you've got someone in your corner who's committed to you for life um, and, yeah, that you just doing life with um, someone who's committed to you, your, you know, your best friend, your, um, yeah, someone who's evenly yoked, um, with you, you've got, um, you know, in terms of your um, your faith and everything that yeah. comes with that. Um, yeah, it's a very reassuring and comforting thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You've probably answered it, but what keeps you going strong in your relationship together? Um, yeah, a few things. Um, having fun, as she, as she, she explained, um, together, but... Um, Remembering promises that we made, yeah. um, that's one thing uh, that I come back to. It's like I've made promises to, to mm. her. Um, doing ministry together um, is one thing mm. I think that we, mm. we, we try to do lots of things together. We, um, but I'd have to say commitment to church and to small groups. I know that sounds like a textbook answer, mm. but um, you know, just that discipline and commitment of being amongst the body of believers on a regular basis um, and you might not, you may not be divulging things about your marriage and your Bible study group or whatever, but it's just that frequent accountability of being around other Christians that is really really helpful. Yeah. Can we uh, thank these lovely people?
thank you, Rod and Serena, for being uh, so frank. Let me uh, pray uh, for us. Let me pray for all marriages, for those people who are unmarried, for those people who might be separated. Uh, let us pray for one another. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to uh, thank you for Rod and Serena and thank you uh, that we got an insight into their uh, relationship. Uh, Father, just thank you that you've blessed them with children. Thank you that you've blessed them uh, with a strong marriage. And Father, we want to pray that for all people here uh, this morning. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you might show us, that you might reignite our love uh, for, our, for our partner, that you might uh, fan the flame of love uh, for you. Father, we, we pray that you might show us our faults and that you might uh, give us that, uh, that faith and that repentance to change. Father, we pray for those who are single, unmarried. Uh, Father, we pray that you will help them to be pure in their relationships. Father, we pray that you will just strengthen them and, and as Rod has mentioned, Father, keep us strong in the word so that we might be reminded, so that we might be encouraged to keep on standing firm. And Father, we also uh, pray for those who might be going through separation, who have been divorced. Father, we want to thank you that there are people uh, here uh, this morning. We thank you that they are here. We thank you that they know your forgiveness. Father, we pray that they might not walk around with guilt of the world on their shoulders. Father, help them to be free. Help them to recognise that you are a God who is a God of love and that you are a God who wants the very best for them. And so, Father, we want to pray for this church. We thank you uh, for uh, Robertson and Burrowang, the congregations uh, here. Uh, Father, we just ask that you will help us to grow closer and closer together. Father, we pray for our community, that you might be gracious upon our community and that you might give us opportunity to share our story to share the gospel with those people who do not know you. Father, help us to have a, a real love for those people. Help us to remember their destiny without you. And Father, we finally we pray uh, for the leadership of this church. Father, we want to thank you for the wardens, uh, the parish councillors, the treasurer, all those people who uh, are involved in various ministries. Father, we want to thank you for them. Father, we, we pray that you might involve more and more people uh, in this congregation to, to want to serve you. And Father, we pray uh, for the, the man who will uh, come to this, uh, uh, to this church as a leader. Father, we pray that even though we may not know who it is, that you will be preparing him and preparing this congregation to accept his leadership and that he might be godly in his leadership. And we do pray all these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.